If you're an executive, entrepreneur, seasoned investor, or just a student of the game, you'll love The Great Fail, Adweek's Entrepreneurship Podcast of the Year, a show that artfully uncovers some of the biggest fails in business history and how it might have been prevented. The Great Fail is entertaining, informative, and told through a true crime narrative in under 30 minutes that keeps you at the edge of your seats. So check out The Great Fail wherever you get your podcast. What do true crime documentaries, Chrissy Teigen, and The Garbage Bell have in common? They all tie into True Crime Obsessed. In this part three of Why We Love True Crime, Lindsay Boyd and Nathan Spell are joined by hosts Patrick Hines and Jillian Pensavale as we discuss the how, the why, and the humor behind True Crime Obsessed. So let's get started. That's the great thing about Stamps.com. They grow with you. As much fun as I had, I couldn't wait to get back to my sleep number bed. Yep. I love my third love bras. They're hands down the most comfortable bras I've ever owned. I love making Blue Apron. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's my me time. Thank you guys so much for joining us. If you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves for our listeners who might not be uh, familiar with your show, that would be great. Um, hi, we are the dynamic duo. I never call us that, but behind True Crime Obsessed, my name is Jillian Pensavale. I am the co-host and co-creator. Hi, I'm Patrick Hines. I am also the co-host and co-creator. I was really nervous to go first, so I said something I never say. Sometimes I don't think that, and it happened. We are keeping dynamic duo. We're keeping it. <laughs> it's canon now. Oh, God. Oh, exactly. no. Sorry, exactly. girl. Sorry I just did that to us. I'm curious how you guys started working together. I know that y'all both have podcasts that pertain to Broadway. Yeah, well, like most true crime podcasts, it all starts with Broadway musicals, I think. That's 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 also canon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. We we met uh, through the Broadway podcast world and we just became like really fast friends. And we always talk about how unusual it is to make like friends when you're our age, you know, and like we're both married and I've got a kid and, you know, we were both really busy. GP, this feels like it was a thousand years ago at this point. It does. And also because our friendship was based on our social lives. So we would see each other a lot in person. And I think that's that's why the story feels so far away because it's been so long since we've been able to do that but even just hanging out you know we would text each other are you in midtown we'd go to happy hour a lot and we were just talking about broadway stuff you know i still do the hamill cast patrick had theater people and broadway backstory which is still my favorite podcast so we were like talking about we knew a lot of the same people or we knew you know and then those conversations would be like half broadway and then we get sick of that and then we talk about the latest thing we watched or the late did you hear about the the latest in the adnan syed case or my husband and i are good friends with um Damien Eccles, who's one of the West Memphis Three. So that would come up. Like Patrick was interested in that. No one's interested in talking about true crime. And we both found that in one another. And then like one thing led to another. And now we're here talking to you. Yeah, it really was a thing that started out as like a hobby in my living room. You know, like we just, we would get together and do this thing. And we both had other jobs and we both had other like things. Like, you know, true crime obsessed was not the most important thing in our lives at all. You know, it was just a thing that we did together for fun. And then we were just kind of like, this is really hard but it's really fun it was taking us you know 10 15 20 hours a week to make this thing and we're like we need to figure out how to make that a thing that is like sustainable you know and that was that was sort of where we started taking it more seriously yeah i remember that conversation i remember exactly where i was it was really hot it always what we started in the summer of course great time to start a podcast and no air conditioner nothing and so i lived live on the upper east side and you at the time lived all the way up in the heights and it's hard to get there taking the subway you have to go 
downtown to go uptown to go across town and all this. And it was a lot of work. Also, it still is to, you know, watch the documentaries. It takes a lot of time. I always say we're not just eating popcorn. It takes six-ish hours to watch a 90-minute thing because we're stopping every two seconds separately to take our notes. And I remember kind of looking at each other and saying, do we want to do this like Thelma and Louise style? Are we just going to like drive off this cliff and see what happens and really commit to this? Because we knew because we had been both been podcasting for so long, Patrick longer than I was, but we kind of knew, all right, if we make a decision to do another podcast, first of all, our husbands are going to be furious. And second, we really have to make it a thing. So do we want to put in all of the work that we knew? And we kind of looked at each other. We've been burned before. And we were kind of like, no, we looked, you're like, I want to do it with you. Let's, let's just do it. What made y'all land on starting a podcast about true crime documentaries? We've landed on this really fun, popular thing that we, that never meant to be that. We had no idea or thought, like, we really don't think of ourselves as funny people at all. I knew that I wanted to do, like, a true crime thing. And we had started talking about making a podcast about the Zodiac. We were like, let's just solve it. I feel like somebody should solve that. We're going to super solve the Zodiac. Totally going to solve it. And then we were like, well, why don't we do something that could be like a weekly thing that rather than like a limited series thing. And I wanted to make a nerdy sort of straightforward NPR style podcast that would have segments where we would do like an interview segment, a segment where we would talk about a thing, like talk about a documentary and then uh, like a true crime news segment. And we recorded a pilot where we did that. We did all three of those segments. And when we were listening back, I was like this part of the middle where we talk about this documentary, it's more of a recap thing and it's really interesting and there's nothing else out there like i'm obsessed with podcasts i could tell you every podcast on the apple's like top 200 chart any day of the week i'm obsessed with podcasts and i was like there's nothing else out there that's like this like is this the thing and it was a big leap because i really didn't want to make that i really wanted to make a nerdy quiet straightforward highbrow thing and here we are making this trash and the thing is true and that and the end that's the name yeah, of it. And, the here end, are, and, here are, and here we are making this trash the jillian and yeah. patrick story but we and and the, the first several i mean several episodes of true crime obsessed are not last week's episode like not not even close i always say it sounds like we're trying not to disturb the person in the next room and we finally the reason i love making the show so much is one i feel like we both consider it therapy for ourselves to be able to say these things and have these feelings because we have a lot of feelings i'm mostly ragey um and you know it's like we get to get all of this out and we just sort of i always quote patrick like we just let it become what it was supposed to be and that happens with a lot of creative things a lot of the time and I think sometimes people have this idea in their heads like it's going to be this highbrow three segment thing or whatever their thing is and thankfully Patrick was willing to say well let's see what it's going to be and we just grew into this absolute madness that I truly is nothing like the first couple episodes that's why I think it was for our 100th episode we redid the documentary we covered for our first episode which was the imposter and it's I can't even listen to those early episodes because it's like who are these people and we weren't you know we make a recap podcast that's what true crime obsessed is and our first episode where we did the imposter we were not recapping it like we were sort of just like 
talking about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of like, you can hear the evolution of like, oh, we should play the trailer for the thing before the thing. So people know what it's about, you know, like that doesn't come in until episode 10 or 11. And just sort of like, we were just, thank God we had no idea what we were doing, you totally. know? Totally. I'm curious about what stories y'all decide to tell, like which documentaries you decide to watch, because two of my favorites that y'all did actually didn't strike me as true crime and that's action park and jesus camp those are my those are my two favorites they had me rolling so i'm i'm wondering which ones y'all decided y'all how do you pick those we really try to like pay attention to the numbers like we try to like look at the down like the like the, our highest downloaded episodes are you guys this is we are I, I was listening to i'm like editing our one for this week now and i'm like in this episode i'm like we are part of the problem like i totally understand that we're part of the problem but like people want murder you know and like so that th those are the ones we try to like we try to find the most because those are the ones that that people respond to the most but we were pretty clear from the beginning that like if we found a documentary like a non-fiction documentary that was interesting to us and didn't necessarily fall into a strict true crime category we were gonna do that you know and so like that's where action park or grizzly man or uh jesus camp you know i mean although jillian is very clear that jesus camp really is true crime because it's child abuse like a hundred i will stand by that 100 percent. class action park totally there were lawsuits filed and that's the thing too i see this a lot in our facebook group that has like 35 thousand people in it sometimes they'll say things like you know well class action park isn't really true crime and there's someone in the comments like don't hate me but true crime is more than murder okay bye like you know and we we and i agree with that and we also need that for our mental health like i can only talk about like rape and murder and animal abuse like give me an art heist give me the, like the mob and i know the mob is garbage i know they cause a lot of pain physically and emotionally and mentally but give me like a mcmillions right like get like that that just is as a palate cleanser for us and it is true crime and the list can even hear us approaching it in a different way because it is true crime. I know there's a lot of paperwork involved with the FBI, but like we need a break from the goriness of it too. Outside of obviously thinking about creating the show, I'm curious personally, what is the first true crime story that you remember, you know, out there in, in the world, like from your own life? What's the first story you, you heard and were familiar with? I, I never have a good answer for this. I, you know, I was one of those kids who grew up on Unsolved Mysteries. So it's like, it was less of one specific case and more like that show that made me be like, oh no, I really am fascinated by this. You know, like that. And even on, on that show, like, you know, they would have the categories of like murder or whatever. Whenever it would be like unexplained, whenever that was the, the thing, that was always the thing. Like the Bermuda Triangle or big like i'm such a, like an av nerd basically like that's what i always equate this to like what's the nerdiest thing you can be i'm like that for true crime i love that you love the conspiracies and that doesn't come up a lot on the pod yeah. but i love that that was like your start in all of this totally totally i read helter skelter way too young that's why that's why why i am who i am today well, I was going to say, too, I think the, the, one of the first true crime movies I ever saw was Paradise Lost, right? Like, on HBO, like, back in, like, the early 90s. Like, those were the ones that, like, I think were the first ones that I watched that I was like, oh. That's the, the weird part about true crime is the community uh, around it, you know? There there really is a community. You know, it's like you hear about, like, true crime TikTok or whatever. Like, there are so many people. There's a reason why Apple, like, a year and a half 
half ago, had, they never had a true crime category and they had to add it because it is the most popular thing. Like it's why our Facebook group has 35,000 people and growing. Like people, when you like weirdos like true crime and they want to find each other and talk about it, you know? Yeah. The thing about Paradise Lost, which we also love, I think just as viewers of true crime documentaries, Patrick and I both love when we know that the filmmaker set out to do one thing and then it turned into something else. So cap capturing the Freedmen's is a great example of that. This guy just thought that he was going to like film a child's party clown, which to me is true crime anyway, because clowns are the worst. And then it became something horrible, right? And so the same with Paradise Lost, like they thought, like, let's go see the sensational, oh, like these Satanists are down in Arkansas. And then it became like, oh, my God, these three innocent men walking free. I think we're drawn to that, too. Like what the medium can do to get stories out, get people out of prison, get people still continuing those conversations. Do you think that there is like one aspect of this that people are fascinated with? Because I think obviously the show title, True Crime Obsessed, and the fact that there is this obsession, all of us here are fans, y'all are obviously obsessed, you've got fans that are obsessed. What is it that draws people to true crime? Like, why are we so obsessed with it? I really think that like, I've, I've always struggled with how to say, how to answer this question, because... I really think that people are drawn to true crime because it's something that can happen to any of us. Like all of these stories are about regular people that something just terrible happens to. And for, and oftentimes for no reason, you know, like these people get murdered or people get kidnapped or people, you know, something terrible happens and it just could be any of us. So there is an element of like wanting to understand it. I also think, too, that true crime inherently is good storytelling. It's just a, a really good, you know, beginning, middle, and an end. Or, like, if there, if you don't know what happened, it just ends on a cliffhanger, you know? Like, I think there is real true intrigue in these stories. Yeah, and I think it's a way for people to talk about their own fears. So instead of saying, I don't want to get snatched when I'm on, you know, changing my tire on I-10, right? Like, so I'm going to be prepared. So instead of talking about that fear, which I know as a woman, I live with all the time, like walking down the street at night. Like I, that would be fun if I could do that without having all of these like weird protection things around me, you know, like not being on my phone, not, no headphones. But I think it's a way to talk about it and have it not be about yourself. So when you're saying, I watched this documentary and wasn't that so scary and sort of being able to engage in this fear that you have and still have it be a little removed from you. And I think that what Patrick and I do and very and try very hard to do is also not take away from the story that happened to a real person or real people. So that's where our sadness and rage and anger comes in because this is a real story. These aren't characters. These are real people. It's true crime. So to live in that fear of talking about how sad it is or how mad it makes you and the, the corrupt police or the bad lawyers or whatever and, and kind of working through that, and that's why I say it's therapy, it, it also feeling like, okay, well, I'm not like talking about myself and my own fears. I'm sort of projecting it and deflecting it, but also like taking it on at the same time. It's a very odd balance. What does the process look like for you guys? How much time do you spend on each episode preparing? I know, obviously, if it's a docuseries, it's hours long. You have to watch it. But then you mentioned that you're stopping constantly. So what's the total workload for a single project? It's a lot. I mean, for me, you know, I try to watch the thing all the way through one time without stopping. And then I'll go back and take my notes on it. I mean, it typically takes me an 
hour to get through every 20 minutes to during taking my notes. So like if, if something is, is like an hour and a half long, I can't do that math, but it's several hours. And then the recording of it is another three or four hours. And then the editing of it, it's like a full 40 hour week to do one episode. And we're doing, luckily now we've been able to with our, we've been successful enough that we've been able to bring people in. So we have editors that work with us now and, but it's a ton of work. I mean, that was the thing in the beginning that was so surprising was neither, I mean, I won't speak for Jillian on this front, but for me, I didn't necessarily have the technical skill to make the thing that I wanted it. Like I didn't have the technical skill to make it be the thing that I wanted it to be, but I had to develop that very quickly in order to be able to put the thing out in the world. And so, you know, in learning how to make these episodes, like that was the thing in the beginning where we're like, we, this is not a hobby. It was never a thing that took us an hour or two a week to make. It was always a thing that took us 20 or 30 hours a week to make, you know? Yeah. Even before that conversation of like, what are we doing here? Are we going to do this for 30, 40 hours a week? And what else? You know, because I do relate to that, not with this podcast, but with other creative, you know, the Hamilcast or other, you know, web series I've done where it's like, oh, I want to make a web series. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. I'm a person who learns by doing. I think that's why it worked because Patrick and I felt very kindred in that sense where it's like, well, we want to do something. And just because I we don't necessarily know how to do it doesn't mean we can't do it. So we'll do it. We'll just like, figure out how to get there together and do the work, you know, to figure it out and make a pilot that no one has ever heard. I think it's gone now forever. It's like you've deleted it. It's Well, actually, you can kind of find it in pieces. And from our pilot episode, we did The Thing with Imposter, which is our, our now our episode one. And the interview segment was an interview we did, I did with a, uh, a person in Boston who is a blogger and her blog is like Cryptid Antiquarian. And she was chronicling these vanishing men, these college-age men who vanish and rather than like just getting rid of that i put it up as a blog so actually our our website has a blog and it has one entry and it's this interview that i did with this person so you can still hear that there you know the other thing too i think was that we weren't expecting people to it's not that we weren't expecting people to listen. We just both came from the Broadway world where like we knew what that size audience was. And we knew that that was like a hobby size audience, you know? And so when we started like actually seeing ourselves on the podcast charts in league with our podcast heroes and we, and you know, we're looking at the numbers and we're like, Oh my God, like that was when we were like, we have a real opportunity to connect with people and to really do this or not. And we really need to make a decision like right now. <laughs> yeah. And we did. Yeah. Yeah. I think you made the right decision. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so I know that earlier you said that you don't think that y'all are funny, but I think that y'all are great at blending humor into your content. But that being said, how do you avoid coming across sounding like you're making fun of victims or making fun of the story? There is literally zero work involved in that. I don't know how to say it other than like, we are we are making a, a, a podcast where we're recapping these documentaries. If if it's funny to you, then it's a comedy podcast. And, and I'm so grateful that you think it's funny. Thank you so much. You know, we are really just being sort of a heightened version of ourselves. But we we never, 
ever even come close to the line of like making fun of the victim or the crime or whatever. It, we are just not wired that way. It's not what we're interested in talking about in that way. So like, we're super interested in making fun of the person who like knew the documentary crew was coming over and like did not get dressed, you know? The or, dirty like, didn't dishes clean the in kitchen. the sink. Right. Like, do the dishes. Like, you know, oh, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? It's so, on like, the calendar. You signed the release. We always say that you signed a piece of paper that said, yes, this can go out into the world. So if you know it's going out into the world. And so that when we focus on that, it makes it easier. And so exactly like Patrick said, like, Lindsay, when you ask, like, how do we not make fun of the victims? We just don't. And I I think because we want to talk about this, one, to get stories out there and two, because we're so upset about it, like, which is so funny to say, right, for people who's, who make a comedy podcast. But we're talking about this because we're upset about it in some way. We have feelings about it. I also think that we are we have an opportunity to normalize some things. Like, I think that when we when we're covering a case where the person who was murdered was a sex worker, I think that, like, it is so... I think that we really take the opportunity to be like, sex work is a thing. It's a thing that happens, you know? And like, and we can actually talk about the why. Why is that? You know, the idea of like making fun of a sex worker or sex work as a thing that is real, would it, we are just not, I could not think of a single joke. Like nothing about that is funny to me, you know? Sometimes I think the things that people might think we would be making fun of are the things we really want to explore and talk about and normalize. Right. Or or that no one's asking those questions in the documentary, too. Sometimes we get like, wait, are we seriously sitting here and no one's asking about this? And I think people see that. I, th- I think people laugh at those kinds of questions because they're like, oh, yeah, I thought that, too. So they're not laughing because it's haha, hilarious, funny. I think they're laughing because it's like. I just asked my husband that and he didn't care. I asked my best friend that my roommate that and my roommate doesn't care, but these two crazy people care. And I think it's the caring that makes people smile. And I think that smile leads to people laughing kind of in spite of all of it. Sometimes I, I also think we we give people permission to laugh, you know? I think that we, I think sometimes we like, we always say that our hope is that what we can contribute to these cases is keeping people talking about them because people can find some humor, you know? We can talk about the Jean Bonnet case and guess what? If there are elements of like, whatever it is about that case that like, that are funny, not... And even saying that out loud sounds wrong, you know? There's nothing funny about a little girl getting murdered. A perfect example of that is, like, what was it? The cottage cheese and the pineapple or whatever? And it's, like, I was, like, have you? Is that a thing? Like, I didn't know. When I grew up, like, whatever that snack was. And it's, like, tragic and horrible. But, again, I always say, like, we don't want to think about the tragedy, so let's focus on the weird. What was that snack again? Was it cottage cheese and pineapple? And then leaning into that. So, to us, then it becomes funny because we – I don't think I'm funny. Patrick doesn't think he's funny, but I think he's funny and he thinks I'm funny. Or like, totally. And like also in that like in that documentary, they spent a hundred thousand dollars like rebuilding a model of the house. Did you want to just spend that money to test the evidence? Right. You know Did what you I mean? Did you just like sit and have a conversation in like a conference room somewhere? Did you have to rebuild? And then they had that woman, remember, in that awesome, like badass, like sexy suit. She was climbing in and out of like the cobwebs. And it's just they were it's like, what am I watching here? Can we just solve the thing or we have to waste twenty minutes on the cottage cheese and the pineapple? And if we're like if we're trying to solve the thing, I feel like there's a better way to spend that hundred thousand dollars. Instead of like recreating the perfect cobweb, can we not? Can we like get down to business here? So on the subject of y'all bringing in the humor elements, uh, this is a question that we didn't send your way ahead of time, but I wanted to know the garbage bill. Where did that come from? How did that come up? 
I love it. It came from, if I remember correctly, it, the first time we ever talked about it was in the tabloid episode, which is like episode 21. And it just, the thing is like Jillian and I have not recorded in person in over a year. So we forget each other's like actual mannerisms. Like, you know, but Jillian would get so mad. She'd be like, and I remember saying like, I'm, I gotta get you something to hit, you know, like we need, we need something for you to hit. And so we, I remember being like, I'm getting you a bell. We're getting, we're getting a bell. And I was thinking like a cowbell. And I was like, no, we because it would, and it would be attached to the word garbage. I'd be like, this person's garbage. And we need like a thing where it's like, like, Bum, bing, or some kind of we, and we were trying to do it as like we were trying to become like Foley artists, and then it was like, and it all just sort of became, it came. And this is so much. It's so funny because that you asked that because so much of the garbage bell is also just like a metaphor for everything that true crime obsessed is. Where it's like he said something, then I said something, then we both started talking over each other about kind of the same thing, and suddenly there's a podcast, or suddenly there's a garbage bell, or suddenly there's a there's like a catchphrase that we didn't know was a thing. And so then I was like, yeah, I was like, I need something where it's like now when you hear that sound, you know that person a piece of shit you know they're garbage whatever that is and then i can't you know some sweaty day sweating head to toe and like there she was sitting on this little snack table that patrick had gotten the bell and so then when there was like an argument not like a, you know a fake argument where patrick was like well then we need because i was like all right so garbage bell and then also a hero bell so then i would say like okay well when you knew that someone okay ding but this is the hero style and then i was like well you know maybe there should be like a hero harp because that's nicer than a bell. And I was like, no, we're not going to be a morning zoo like radio show. I yeah. really wanted the different kind of sounds. And he would like, you would threaten me. You'd be like, well, I'm going to put in the harp and post And I'm like, don't you do it. We're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing like SFX on this thing. We're just not. It's funny too, because like people really connected to the garbage bell. I remember when we were doing our live shows in Chicago, we had, we were doing two live shows back to back and we had the garbage bell like our only set piece is like a garbage is like the bell there'd be like a spotlight on her like she yeah. got better treatment than either either of us ever <laughs> well, did. we went backstage in between shows and one of the house people came back and was like um we're trying to clear the house but everyone is trying to take pictures with that bell and we were like oh my god the garbage bell is an actual celebrity or leaving the bell like i have so many of that like people just want to give us bells or they come or that like our, i remember our very first our very very first live show we ever did people were bringing dinging them or saying ding yeah. like this, they were they were just saying ding and we were we like to yell at the audience because we were like we have to be in charge of when we ding the garbage bell and we're never getting out of here you guys. That's, the, 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 that, that's the that's the gag right everyone's garbage all the time it's, it's a right. true crime podcast <laughs> yeah. collectively here well, Patrick and Jillian, I want to be uh, mindful of y'all's time. Thank y'all so much for, for joining us today, talking with us. It's been a lot of fun. Everyone who's listening, go check out True Crime Obsessed. Check out the Patreon page. Anywhere else that they should check out, guys? We, we go live on Instagram every Tuesday at, at noon Eastern time. And oh, it's, very cool. Yeah, True Crime Obsessed podcast. We call it Ladies Who Lunch. We just, like, chat for half an hour. We just, like, catch up. We and, like, take questions and stuff. Sometimes Chrissy Teigen comes. Sometimes she's, like, there in the comments and hanging out. Uh, but we talk about the episode that comes out on Tuesday. So we'll we'll just be hanging out. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes and leave us a comment with your feedback, questions, or ideas for future segments. If you would like more info on Ad Results Media and what we do, please visit us online at adresultsmedia.com. This podcast is an Ad Results Media production.